Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. This morning, you can turn to Luke chapter 9, if you'd like to follow along in scripture. We're going to be reading a bunch of different scriptures today to illustrate our point this morning, but ultimately, the main text that we're going to be looking at is Luke chapter 9. This week, we're continuing, as Pastor Matt talked about during worship, we're going to be continuing our sermon series uh, called Healed, as we look for God to to touch us, to heal us from from all of the negative things, all of the, the difficult, challenging things that have happened in our lives, all of the hurts and all the pain that we've picked up over the last couple of years, as, as I'm sure you've heard so many times, this is a, we've, we're living in an unprecedented time, and, and so we've picked up these things along the way, these, these hurts and these pains and, and these different things in our lives, and, and we're wanting to move forward in health. We're not wanting to move forward just because we can. We're wanting to move forward well and in health. And in order to do that, we really need the Lord's touch on our lives to heal us. And this week, we're going to be looking for the Lord to heal us from, from what is probably one of the most underriding emotions that we've had to wade through the past couple of years. You know, there, there was a lot of fear at the beginning of, of this whole COVID. What is this? What's happening? What's going to happen? Are we going to die? All of these kinds of, there was fear. But then over time, fear gave way to anger. And this week we're going to be talking about anger. We're going to be looking for the Lord to to remove the seeds and the roots from all of the anger that's developed in our lives over the last couple of years. To say that that people, that culture has been an angry place over the last couple of years is is a pretty big understatement. Uh, And to to somehow think that that our, our, our hope that it hasn't affected us would be pretty naive. That no matter which way you turn and which way you look, no matter what issue you're talking about over the last couple of years, someone has been upset about it and has been angry about it. And someone has probably expressed that anger to you or maybe at you and maybe in ways that are healthy, but probably in ways that aren't. Be it about COVID or COVID restrictions and mandates or social justice issues, protests. People have been angry this year for all kinds of reasons. And my guess is that at some point over the last little while, you've been angry about something too. We, it has been anger. Now anger, I suppose, in and of itself isn't a bad thing. We do read about Jesus being angry and flipping over tables, and far be it for, for me to say that, that he didn't handle it. Well, he handled it perfectly. But friends, we're not, we're not Jesus. The Bible does give us an understanding of anger that says if you can do it right, it's okay. In Ephesians, Paul will say, like, in your anger, do not sin. But there is a way to, to walk through this. It's, it's right that we get angry with the delivery guy who speeds down our streets when our kids are playing in the front yard. Like that, that makes sense. 
that delivery guy is putting our kids in danger. It's right for me to, to see that and be angry about it. it. It's also right that we get angry about what happened in Texas this week. It's horrible. Unbelievably devastating. It's right for us to get angry. But, but anger in our lives, it's sort of like playing catch with a grenade. Like there is a way to do that right. There is a way to do that safely where nobody gets hurt. But probably, more often than not, it's not going to go well for everybody involved. I can, I can, no, 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 I got it. I got it figured out. I know how to do it. It's going to be fine. Probably, we're all going to blow up. And over the last couple of years, there have been so many things that we could be, that we should be angry about. But the transition from be angry but do not sin to anger that's a sin, from somebody who, who is angry but not sinning to someone who is just an angry person, it's walking on the edge of a knife. It's a slippery slope. It's easy to fall down. And the Bible has a lot to say about anger and the dangers of being an angry person. Proverbs 29 will say, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. The next chapter, Proverbs chapter 30, will say, for as churning cream produces butter and the twisting of a nose produces blood. That's a weird analogy. So stirring up anger produces strife. Proverbs 22, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. The Bible has lots of warnings about what happens when our life becomes angry. What happens when our hearts become angry? What happens when we become highlighted or, or we become part of our story becomes that we get Angry, And none of the warnings are good warnings. None of them are like, find some of these people to be in your court because they'll fight for you. No, it's, it's don't have anything to do with that. And so we need to be aware of the roots because we can start out in this idea of I'm angry, but I'm not sinning. And we can start out there, but the roots of anger grow deep in our lives. And suddenly it changes the way that we see people. That I'm not even mad at them. I'm not even angry at them. I'm just angry. And all of a sudden, it starts to change the way that I see people. It starts to change the way that I talk to people. It especially starts to change the way I talk to people and see people who have done something small that might make me a little bit angry. Because now I can't be a little bit angry. I'm only angry. That makes our fuse just a little bit shorter. And we start to become angry just that much faster. And so when we come to, to Luke chapter 9, we see a story, we see a moment in the life of Jesus and his disciples. And it's this moment where the disciples are going to get angry with like a righteous anger. They're going to get angry on God's behalf. They're going to get what I'm assuming they're going to call justifiable anger. And we'll see how God responds to that. So if you've got your Bibles and you're in Luke chapter 9, you can go down to verse 51. So right near the bottom of the chapter there, if you're scrolling on your phone, or it might even be on the next page if you're on your, in your Bible, um, you might need to turn the page over because it's a long way down. But verse 51 starts out like this. 
at, at, this, at the time, or as the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven. So, so as the time Jesus' life is, is coming to a close, and this verse actually represents a really big pivot point in his life, because it says, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And, and this trip to Jerusalem is the trip that's going to end with his crucifixion and his resurrection. But as the time, it was time for Jesus to begin that trip to Jerusalem. And Jesus turns his face, is what another, another translation will say, turned his face towards Jerusalem. It's this moment where he begins to say, all right, we're heading to Jerusalem. And he's, he's up in, in northern Israel, he's up in Galilee, and he has to, to, to travel down south to Jerusalem. And, and if you've been a part of church for a long time, or if you've heard talks on this, you know that in between northern Jerusalem and southern Jerusalem is Samaria. And there's all kinds of stuff that, that goes on with Samaria that makes all of this complicated. We're not going to get into all of that this morning because it's not particularly relevant to our story. But in verse 52, Jesus, it says that he sends out messengers ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But things don't go very well. Verse 53. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So Jesus sends out some of his followers, some of his disciples, to, to go ahead into town and get ready for things for him to arrive. We, we don't really know what that means. Um, get a hotel room. Make some reservations at a restaurant. We got a big group. You got to make sure you book that ahead or they might not let you in. That, that we don't know if it, if it was practical, just go and get things ready. Or, or if it was like, go and, and begin to preach the gospel. Begin to say that, that, you know, Jesus is coming. You need to get your heart and life ready. We, we don't know what's, what's going on. But what we do know is that whatever it was that they were supposed to go and do, it doesn't go well. That, it doesn't, that, that the people reject Jesus and they, they say, we are not interested. But I think that, that it's a pretty polite understanding to think that it doesn't go well. Because throughout the story of Jesus in the Gospels, um, we see any number of times where, where Jesus will go somewhere or his disciples will go somewhere. And it doesn't always go very well. It doesn't always work out the way that they would like for it to. And, and, but the response of his disciples is, is something different. Something that probably, a, ah, no thanks, we're good. Probably is, the, the response that his disciples give is probably not as a result of that. We read in verse 54. Oh, well, there you go. You know what's coming up. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? That escalated quickly. That, that went from, oh, we're not interested, to Jesus, should we kill them? That's probably not like a... No, thanks. We're not really interested. Thanks for your time and your effort, but, but we, we're, we're not interested. Jesus, should we kill them, is a pretty strong response. That's extreme. That's anger. This is the disciples frustrated and mad at these people's response to Jesus. Now, there are certain pastors that will say it's okay to pray like this. To pray, God, punish my enemies. God, do physical harm to my enemies. They call it impracticory prayer. 
But it's wrong. And it tell, it's, it's not what God wants us to do. God does not want us to pray for fire to rain down from heaven to destroy people who aren't nice to us. I promise you, if you pray that prayer, God will not rain down fire from heaven on your enemies. But I'm sure that the disciples, let's, let's stop for a moment. Let's think about the disciples for a second here, because this is important for us to understand. I'm sure that the disciples were feeling very justified in their anger. In fact, I'm sure that the disciples were feeling very righteous in their anger. That as they stood in this moment, they were probably feeling very like, I am right, I am justified, I am saying the right thing. I, I should be mad like this. Because these people were mean to Jesus. And you don't be mean to Jesus. That's not cool. And so they're standing there with their, with their Messiah, with their Savior, with their friend, who, who they know is somebody important, and they know has a message to preach, and they know can do all of these amazing things. And so when this, when this village, when, the, when these people resoundly reject Jesus and say, no, thank you, they're, they're mad for their friend. They're mad for their God. They're mad for their Messiah. They're saying, this, this is the right thing. We preached that we were bringing them literally the good news. The person that is the good news, we're bringing them. And they said no. So they're standing in their anger, undoubtedly feeling justified. Because these people rejected Jesus. But here we see... Jesus' heart, and we see what's going on in our lives when we allow ourselves to be motiva motivated by anger, even if we see it as righteous, justifiable anger. Verse 55 will say this, but he, Jesus, turned and rebuked his disciples. If you don't know, rebuked is not a word that we use normally in our day-to-day in our -day language, but it's not a good thing. He corrected them. He, he, he told them they were wrong. But he didn't just tell them they were wrong. He says to them, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Jesus was having none of this. That's not what we're going to do. That's not who we are. That's not the response of my followers. That's not the response of people representing me. That's not the response of people in relationship with me. And in fact, Jesus will tell the disciples that this lust for justice, for vengeance, for people to be punished, that's actually from a different spirit. That's pretty heavy. You know, we will talk about the times where, where you know, Peter would, would stand up to Jesus when Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter would, would say, you know, no, God, we won't let that happen. And, and Jesus will say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Well, this is like that. The disciples are, are not standing up to Jesus, but they're standing up for Jesus. And Jesus says to them, the spirit that's at work in you it's not the spirit you think. 
your, your, your righteous, justifiable anger on behalf of God, Jesus will say, it's not God that's pushing you to, to believe that. They felt justified. Their anger was righteous. They were right. They probably would have thought, be angry and do not sin. Check. I'm, I'm, I'm angry on behalf of God. How can I be sinning? So much so that they were confident to ask Jesus for it. In our context, you know, we, we, they prayed about it. They, they went to God and said, God, should we kill them? Should you kill them? Because of their righteous anger. But Jesus says, oh, oh no. This, this isn't from God. This is from somewhere else. The disciples were, were frustrated and upset. But it became a problem when their anger boiled over. Now you might say, well, they didn't do anything wrong. They were just venting. They were just saying things. Well, you don't know their heart. Maybe they never. We all say things we don't mean. We all, you know, sometimes things, bad things happen and, and, and we, we say things, but it, it's hyperbole. They didn't really mean it. Well, Jesus gives a prescription for this, for, for us as we walk through this. And in Matthew chapter 5, he will write this. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not send fire from heaven and kill them. That's not the same thing. That's, that's as far away from send fire to have, from heaven and kill them. Pray for them. Bless them. Love them. There have been times when people have made me angry. There have been times when circumstances have made me angry. There have been times I'm sure the same is true for you. How often in our anger was our first stop to pray blessing over them? How often in our anger was our first stop to make sure that we are not just saying we love them, but demonstrating that we love them? How often was our first stop was to stop and pray? Not pray God send fire from heaven to kill them, but to stop and not pray that they would discover their wrongness, but to pray blessing on them. How often was that our first response? But yet... This is what Jesus will say we're supposed to do to process our anger. See, in a moment of anger, we're brought to a fork in the road. And one is the way of the disciples. Get them, God. Get them. They deserve it. Rain down fire from heaven on them. The other is the way of Jesus. And, and we need to be careful to choose the right path. During the last couple of years, there's been a lot 
to make us mad. There's been lots of forks in the road that we've come to, and, and each time we come to a fork, it becomes easier and easier for us to take the God strike them dead path. Every time we come to a fork in the road, that God strike them dead path looks a little more tempting and a little more tempting and a little more tempting because the other road is the harder one and it can get awfully tiring choosing the harder road. And so I want to give us a few steps to bring the anger in our lives that, that may have found its root in our lives that may have allowed the, the anger in our lives that, that, may be getting, that may have begun to grow, that may have begun to develop, that maybe you say, oh, it's not beginning to grow. I got like a full-blown orchard. But the anger in our lives that, that we've carried, that maybe we felt justified in, that maybe we felt like, no, 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 it's right that I'm angry about this. I want to give us a few steps to help us process that anger the way that God would like for us to process. And then that's where we'll come to where, where you need your pens in just a minute. First, acknowledge your anger to yourself and to God. Have you, have you been honest with God and yourself regarding your anger? Have you tried to hide it under a layer of superficial Christianity? It was never superficial, but one of my favorite, favorite memories I'll ever have of Rob Nickerson was when he was leading worship and his son Josh would get off of time on the drums and he would begin to stamp his foot to try and get him back on time. And he would come to the microphone and he would say, praise the Lord. <laughs> and we all knew what praise the Lord meant. And it wasn't necessarily praise the Lord. But sometimes we, we will just fight back this urge to be honest about what we think, about what we feel. Now, I'm not saying that Rob should have turned around and said, Josh, get it together. Uh, but in our lives, sometimes we feel like we need to try and hide these kinds of things from God, which is totally insane, right? That if there's one person who knows everything about us, if there's one being, if there's one thing that knows, that scripture will tell us knows everything about you, it's God. But yet sometimes we still feel this compulsion to like, I'm going to try and hide it from him. That maybe I can dress it up a little bit. Maybe I can try and like say the right things and, and all of that. And maybe I can trick him. But 1 John chapter 2 will say this. Anyone who claims to be in the light, that says the right things, that does the right things, that, that tries to live it out, but hates his brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Even if we try and dress it up, even if we try to say we're living in the light, if we've got roots of anger in our heart. Now, you mean, I don't hate my brother. Go back to the Sermon on the Mount and see what Jesus has to say about the feelings in our heart and all of these kinds of things. Friends, we need to be honest and open with God 
and with ourselves about the anger. Second, identify the source of your anger. Is it a person? Or are you taking out your anger on someone else? Identifying the source of your anger will help you, help you keep from hurting others who are innocent. Perhaps you're angry at someone at work, so you take it out on your family at home. Perhaps there's a situation in your life that you're angry about, but it's grown those roots, and now everything that you do, every relationship you have, every conversation you have is clouded over because of this anger. Maybe you're angry at home because of things going on at home, and it bleeds over into everything else, and it just becomes this all-consuming thing. Identifying where we're anger. Psalm 38 will tell us, refrain from anger, turn from wrath, do not fret, it leads only to evil. Now the next one is where this gets really tricky. Because we can be honest and open, we can identify it, but then we need to trust God to set things right. Romans chapter 12 will say, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And in James chapter 1, it will say, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, we're called to trust God. And when we allow anger to grow up in our lives, when we allow anger to grow up in ourselves, do you know what we're doing? We're committing idolatry. Because we're saying that I am going to put this above my trust in God. We may not do that on purpose. We may not set out to do that. That may not be the cry of my heart that I'm going to commit idolatry. But if we can't trust God, then what we've said is this thing is bigger than God. And friends, this becomes the most difficult part. Because I'm angry. But to take that situation and just give it over to God... Sometimes we, we did a, a study on the book of Jonah a few months ago. And we come to this place in Jonah where we discover that, that what Jonah, the reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, the reason why he didn't want to go preach the gospel was because he was afraid that God would have mercy on the people of Nineveh. And, and he didn't think they deserved it. They didn't he didn't think that they should have mercy. And, and sometimes we have that same fear, right? I'm going to, if I turn this over to God, what if he just forgives them? What if they don't get punished? They deserve to be punished. What if I, I, I just pray, God, would you deal with this? And then he just shows them love and mercy. Trusting God is one of the most difficult steps that we have to take. Then the last step, pray about your anger. 1 Timothy 2.8 will say, Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Jesus will tell us that he wants us to live an abundant life. Anger 
rage, frustration, and resentment are barriers against the love of God working in our lives. People and circumstances have hurt you. They have. But we need to respond the way God would have us respond, not the way perhaps every bone and fiber of our being wants to respond. We need to respond through our new life in Christ. You're not a victim of your circumstances, but scripture will tell us that you are a victor through Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning with with our hurt. God, there's been so many places, so many opportunities, so many interactions, so many things that have taken place in our lives where, where the potential for anger has been real, has been palpable, has been true. And God, I pray for each one of us gathered here in this moment as we come together, potentially with hurt, potentially with anger, potentially with these things in our lives that we've been carrying around. God, I thank you that in this moment, in this time, we can be free from them. God, that as we place our, our, our words on our card and we place our card in the basket, God, would you set us free? God, as we release these things, would there be a moment of freedom in our lives where the anger, where the pain, where the things that have been injury to us because of something someone did, because of something someone said that has just stewed inside of us. God, as we place these cards down, God, would there be a sense of, of lifting of our spirit? A sense where you've come to meet us, where, where you will meet us. And it's not just a simple sort of act because the pastor asked me to do it. But God, I pray that in this moment, your Holy Spirit would meet us. That your Holy Spirit would interact with our hearts, with our souls, where we would be set free. Where, where perhaps uh, the, the anger and the frustration has caused a callous and a hardness of a heart. God, I pray that in this moment, that, that hard heart would be replaced with a heart of flesh, just like your word says. And we will be set free from the anger and from the frustration, from the pain in our lives. And that we would be able to, to leave today knowing that God has set us free. God, I pray that there would be healing in the house of the Lord today. That there would be healing in our lives. That there would be healing in our souls. That there would be healing in our congregation today. God, that healing would take place this morning. God, you are a God who heals, and that's for our physical bodies, but it's also for our hearts. And so, God, may people be healed this morning in the name of Jesus. Be healed today. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm praying, God, come. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. I'm praying I come 
and turn this thing around. Oh yes, God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. I'm calling on the name that changes everything. Doing something.